Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to begin a series going through the um, warnings, prophecies, promises, and the words of Jesus' birth and his coming. I will give you all a heads up. You know, I was thinking about this. I ran downstairs right after Sunday school, and uh, all the kids were dressed up, and they were digging through this big bag of candy. And, you know, God, God has called me to shepherd the flock. And uh, just wanted to, I, I told all the kids that they have recalled now and laters. Uh, so if you have any, just bring them to me. I'll mail them to the right spot. Uh, they have recalled. But uh, as I was telling all these kids downstairs this white lie, as I'm getting ready to go preach, you know, and these kids are looking at me like, what? And I was like, yeah, and any strawberry or cherry Laffy Taffy has been recalled too. It's contamination. Um, I, was, I was remembering this old story I heard from somebody, from a preacher. He said that uh, he used to follow this preacher around and this preacher would put a mint in his mouth at the beginning of every service. And usually it would go about an hour to an hour and a half and that mint would be completely dissolved. And he knew at that moment to wrap it up, pray, and that's the time. Well, one day he went and he put something in his mouth and he kept going and preaching and preaching. And about four and a half hours later, realized he had stuck a button in his mouth from his pocket. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, how long does an hour and later last? Uh, now, I will give you a warning. I did not bring my phone, which I usually put here that has the time on it, my notes. I have no phone. I don't know what time it actually is right now. We're just going to go. In fact, I think, I don't know who did it. Tanya may have brought me two batteries just in case these go dead. We'll just put two new batteries in and keep going, right? I mean, we'll just, you got me on the time? All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So as we begin this series going into the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ, the prophecies about Jesus, here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at the words that are hundreds of years old, thousands of years old, and I want us to be able to understand that in them, if you remember the story of the shepherds, remember the story of the shepherds, the angel appears to the shepherds, and the shepherds are fearful and they say, hey, fear not. We bring you, what is it, good news of great joy. We bring you good news of great joy. So here's what I want us to do. Every time we get together from now, well, hopefully every time we get together, but really wanting to point ourselves to the birth of Christ as we kind of move into this Advent season of the calendar year. For those of you that may do Advent readings at home or candle lighting with your kids or whatever you may do as we prepare our hearts for the coming birth of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be reading coming into because it is now the Christmas season and you're seeing the lights and you're seeing the trees and you're having the family gatherings and you're doing the decorating. But now we are moving into the calendar year in the church calendar called Advent, which is the preparation for the coming. Now, Jesus has already come once, but guess what? He's promised to come again. So we need to not just prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus' birth on December 25th, but we also need to do everything that we can to prepare our hearts because Jesus is coming back. He could come back tomorrow, or he could come back whenever four generations are rising to power hundreds of years from now. We do not know the day or hour, but we do know that he is coming back. So whenever we prepare our hearts for his birth, we don't need to just get caught up in the baby manger, although we need to celebrate and remember it, we also need to remember that Jesus is coming back. Now, when Jesus comes back this next time, 
I didn't really plan to talk about this, but I guess I will. When Jesus comes back the next time, he's not going to come in the form of a sweet baby boy laying in a manger. He's going to come back with judgment and anger and wrath to pour upon the people that have rejected him. So here's what I would tell you. To prepare your hearts, you need to ensure that you are ready to see the Lord now. You need to not leave this place until you know for sure you are prepared to see the Lord Jesus face to face. Because just as the sun comes up tomorrow, so could the sky split wide open. And whatever you need, whenever you leave here today, and whenever you're going around and you're preparing all of these family gatherings and you're cooking meals and you're buying gifts, because who loves a good Christmas shopping season? Right? I mean, you're, you're tracking and Amazon's been here six days out of seven days and, and UPS has dropped off. We literally, this past week, and Michaela did a lot of online shopping. UPS was leaving as I was leaving and FedEx truck was running right down the road behind them. It was almost like, you know, here goes UPS, here comes the post office, here comes FedEx and all of you are right there because I see them all. All right, I know who's shopping, who gets Amazon. I work at the post office for crying out loud. I see the stacks of packages. So I know who's been shopping and who's been, uh, you know, spending a little too much time online. I get it. Michaela's there. I'm there. But that's the stress added to the season. All of this stress going into the season does not amount to anything in the comparison to the coming of our king. I mean, you can cook all the meals and you can prepare all the family gatherings and you can get together and you can you can exchange the gifts and you can do all of that and enjoy every minute of it. But guess what? One thing is going to be better than all whenever you see him face to face. And guess what? It may happen like that or you may breathe your last breath and then see him face to face. But I guarantee you with 100% certainty, if I was a betting man, I would bet on this, that you and Jesus at one time will meet face to face. Are you ready for that? So as we get into Advent, I don't want us to just get caught up in the fact that Jesus came and we need to celebrate and we need to be reminded of the stable and this, and we do well, we need to be ready because he is coming back. So here we go. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they named him Jesus. So that's the reading I want to read for today and to discuss a couple of things from this text that are to be good news of great joy. So that you can leave here and you can rejoice, even if it is stressful, even if it is painful this season, because of various ways or reasons that you can leave here declaring the good news of great joy from the Lord. First one is this. Why did Jesus come? So 
Let's just do uh, something. Does anyone remember the game in school? Remember the game in school when someone in the back of the classroom would whisper something to the person in front of them, and then it would work its way all around the room? Do you remember that? And then by the time it got to the the other side of the classroom, you had one of two things. One, it was exactly like they originally started. You know, they would say, hey, the sky is blue. Or you had turds in class, and they would just twist the words just to be ridiculous and make up something crazy so that whenever the last person would repeat what the first person had said, you would have the same thing or you would have something completely different. I don't know about you, but I used to play that game in school, and I was not the good student. I would always tell them something crazy and make it to where I I don't know what they're talking about. But then it reminded me of one of my favorite TV shows. Adam mentioned it last week, the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, Michaela calls me Barney a lot, and I don't know why. Um, But if you watch the show, you know. There's an episode in season one. It's titled The Gossip Men, or The Men That Gossip. And there's a scene in this particular episode where Andy Griffith goes into the drugstore and he gets some medicine because Barney, while cleaning his pistol, accidentally cut himself a very small cut on his finger and he was going to get some medicine to clean it up. And there's a couple of ladies in there and they heard and they saw Andy and what happened? They got to talking about, they're like, there's no way he only had a little cut and they got all of these meds. So then they begin to make phone calls and they make phone calls and more phone calls are made. And within about four hours from Barney you know, reliable Barney Fife, uh, cutting his finger, the coroner comes in and is con- extending condolences because he had heard Barney was shot in the chest. And that's just what happens whenever people hear something and they pass it on to someone else and then it's passed on to someone else. So here we are quoting, the angel is quoting to Joseph what Isaiah prophesied 700 years before this moment in time. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That sounds like good news. He was coming for what purpose? To save his people from their sin. That sounds like great news. That's good news of great joy. I don't know about you, but to know that God is with me and that God is saving me and that God is redeeming me, that sounds great. But the sad part of the Christmas story is the people in Jesus' day rejected him. They despised him. And I can't help but to imagine some of that had to have been the fact that for generations now, we're talking 700 years from that prophecy until this birth, and we're talking hundreds of years prior to that prophecy, people were anticipating the coming of this Messiah. And the coming of this Messiah was going to be so grand that the whole world would bow and that they would be, they would be delivered and they would be victorious and they would be prosperous. And here is what happens when Jesus is born. Jesus is born as a poor man. Jesus is born with little to no political influence. Jesus is born and rises up to be who he is with no heroic background or any kind of military experience to deliver the people from Roman oppression and that they would be the victorious supreme power of the world. And Jesus had a resume that people would actually laugh at. I mean, if you were to look at Jesus' credentials as far as a man or a hero or a political figure or a powerful, wealthy person, Jesus had nothing to boast on. Therefore, the expectations that these people had of this coming Messiah and the reality of this Messiah did not line up. 
So they are expecting this Messiah to come and to prosper their land and to give them victory over whoever it is in front of them. And Jesus comes up to do what? To give them wealth and power? No. To do what? To save his people from their sin. So their expectations of this coming Messiah and the reality of this Messiah, this God with us, Emmanuel, God in flesh, are two completely different things which cause the people to despise him and to reject him and then to crucify him on a cross. But isn't it kind of similar to people today that their expectations of Jesus or God as in general and their Reality might be two completely different things, which may cause some people to turn away from their faith or to deny God altogether. Well, if God is love, then why is there so much hatred? Well, if I expect God to bless me and to give me all of this prosperity, and yet I continue to live in poverty, then God must not love me or must not be for me. So what we see is a lot of expectations of God not meet the realities of people. This is why people who continue to pray for and pray for and pray for prosperity and they don't get the job, they don't get the pay raise, they don't get the random checks in the mail, may turn away from their faith altogether. But here's what I want to tell you. God did not send his son to this earth to die on a cross for you to be wealthy. Can you be wealthy? Certainly. Does God have a problem blessing his children? No. Does God promise to bless all of his children with great amounts of wealth? No. God did not send his son to die on a cross to sacrifice himself so that you and I would be healthy and just enjoy everyday life. But if we expect this from God, our expectations and reality may be completely different, which may actually cause people to reject the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus altogether. So whenever we see Jesus come, there have been generations, I can just see it now, I could just see you know, parents and grandparents telling their kids about this coming one who's going to come, he's, and, and it's going to be such a grand event, and, and boy, and almost like whenever it passed through the entire classroom, whenever it reached the last person, it was something completely different than originally spoken. So when these people, religious and non-religious people, are expecting this great king to rise to power and to save them, Little did they know that the reality of Christ was completely different. That he came not to just provide them prosperity or position or political power or a military power or to heal them of all of their diseases and illnesses. He came to do what, as the angel said? To save his people from their sin. That is good news of great joy. Because... If God came to give us wealth, here's the thing. There is never enough. And there's nothing wrong if you have lots of money. There's nothing wrong if you have lots of possession. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that is your motivating force in life and that is your love, then that is evil. But God did not send his son so that we would be blessed financially or in any earthly way only Because there is never a limit or an end to any earthly measure. Why? Because anytime you get a pay raise or a promotion, let's just be honest here, when's the next one? Anytime you get a new vehicle or anytime you get a new house, when is the next one? When is the bigger? And what happens is if we put our love in these things and we treasure these things, they will never truly satisfy us and we're always going to look for more and what is next. But whenever we come to and are content with the fact that Jesus came to save us from our sin, 
then our expectation is he saved me from our sin and everything else that he gives to me is just a blessing that I will praise his holy name for. Every amount in my bank account, every child or every family member that we have, every job that I've been given, every blessing, every friend, anything else on top of my salvation is literally just God blessing you beyond your measure. So you should cherish it. So you should never take for granted the things, the little things, even if you're living just above paycheck to paycheck, even if you only have this many friends, even if you do feel as if, you know, I don't have anything. Let me tell you, if you have salvation and anything, you have more than what you deserve. If you have salvation and a dollar, you can't buy anything anymore, but you used to be able to. There used to be dollar menus. But if you have salvation and anything then you have nothing to complain or question God about because Jesus came to save you and me. That's good news of great joy. Now, my four kids, I will praise this holy name for because I didn't deserve any of them. My beautiful wife that I have, who was so young and naive that she would never know any better when she said I do, now she would probably realize and would be a lot more mature. I will praise his holy name for. The opportunity to preach here in this pulpit, and to be a, a worship servant alongside of you, and to preach to you, and to serve alongside and worship, I will never take for granted, and I will praise his holy name for. So when Jesus came, the reality and the expectation must match. And if our expectations are anything other than the salvation that Jesus came to offer, our reality may not always look like that. And secondly, the name that the, the angel quotes written by the prophet Isaiah is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So little did these people realize that God was literally and physically with them when Jesus came. And 2,700 years ago, this prophecy was recorded that God would come and be with us. So we have a prophecy of 2,700 years old, and then we have a word from Jesus found in John chapter 16. Whenever he was preparing his disciples for this coming arrest, we're just hours away from him being arrested, and he would be crucified. In John chapter 16, as they're sitting around the table and they're passing the bread and the juice, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, it's actually to your advantage that I go, so that I may send the helper. He prepares his people and tells them, hey, look, I'm about to go. I'm about to be crucified. You're not going to see me for a little while. Then you will see me. But what he is doing is preparing his people for his departure. But he is promising one to come. We might read the helper or the Holy Spirit or the comforter. So what Jesus is doing is he is promising his people, though I will depart from you, I am sending one to you that will be with you. So the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, he said that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In us. So the Apostle Paul is telling the Romans that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now within us. Who is us? Us isn't everybody. Us isn't all of the world. Us isn't people living in sin and rebellion, rejecting the good news of Christ. Us is defined as the church of Christ. 
the followers of Jesus, those who are born again followers of Jesus. That's us. So if you are here today and you are a born again follower of Christ, guess what? The spirit of the living God is with you. That just 2,700 years ago wasn't just a prophecy of Jesus coming and living, dying, and then we wouldn't see or hear or be uh, you know, accompanied by him forever and ever. It was a promise that when Jesus came and then Jesus reaffirmed the promise in John chapter 16 that he truly came to be with his people, to save his people, which reminds me that if God, is, the Bible says that if God is for us, then who could be against us? Or you might read in the Bible that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So I say all of this to tell you that God is with you. That God is with me. I know Jesus isn't walking the streets or sitting on the mountainside preaching sermons or doing the things that he did because he is in bodily form not here. But the Spirit of God is given to his followers. So here's the good news of great joy. Jesus came to save you from your sins. And then he promised to always be with you. But he died and rose. And he ascended. Yes, but then he provided to you his spirit. So just just tonight, Michaela and I will get to go. And I say get to go. It's a horrible way to say it. We'll be going to the funeral home. And I don't know if any of y'all were there last week. We had a funeral with one of our sisters here. And I don't know, anybody else been to a funeral visit? We all have. Anybody here ever been in the hospital or visited someone in the hospital? Anybody ever lived paycheck to paycheck or not know where the next meal was going to come from? Anybody here ever question what is my purpose? So here, there are so many scenarios in life where you and I may feel all alone and isolated from the rest of the world. And guess what? You may be, but the promise is that God will always be with you. So the good news of great joy this season, what I want you to really come to understand, appreciate, and cherish is that even if people have turned against you, even if the world seems out to get you, even if everything else is weighing down upon you, that God is still with you. That if, if people, your family or your loved ones or co-workers seem to be out against you, or whenever life looks or appears to be darkened, here's what I want you to know. When life looks dark, he provides light. Very simply, he provides light. When life becomes heavy, he helps bear the load. When storms appear to rage on and you never know when something is going to stop, he is the one that brings peace. When I am weak, he is strong. This is who God is with me and with you. In the hospital, he is with you. In the funeral home, he is with you. Sleepless nights, he is with you. In the good times, he is with you. In the bad times, he is with you. In the grieving, he is with you. In the heartache, he is with you. Are you starting to get it? That the prophecy of just, of just Jesus coming wasn't just for Jesus to come and to be born, but for him to fulfill what he was coming to fulfill, which was saving his people from his sins and then offering to his people his spirit to live within us, to accompany us, to empower us, to equip us, to edify us, to shape us into his image. That is what the Spirit of God does within us. The Spirit of God is a person living within me to make me look more like Christ. 
Therefore, whenever I go through my life, whenever good things or bad things come my way, I will be able to cling to the promise that God is with me. So this season, whenever you go about and you go shopping and you go cooking and you spend time with family, I want you to remember all of the many blessings that he has given you. And I don't want you to take any of them for granted or overlook any of it and to cherish every single one of them. Every single one of them. Every one of them. In-laws and all. Just just hold them tight and just remind them, boy, I love you. (sighs) My in-laws aren't up here right now, so I can say that. Um. But I'll just hug him. I'll even. <laughs> Man. Blessings. Count them one by one. But what I want you to know is that God is with you. And whenever you come into here week after week after week. And sometimes it's hot in here. Sometimes it's cold in here. Sometimes you're excited to be here. And sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're looking forward to the weekend. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes uh, the bills are, are piling up. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes the money's much more surplus than others. But at all times that God would be with you. For Jesus was prophesied about, and it wasn't just a name that we would call him Emmanuel. It was who he would become. That God would come to die, to rise, to ascend, and then the Spirit of the Lord would come and to be with you. So what I want you to do this season, this Advent season, this Christmas season, this holiday season, is to be reminded of the good news of great joy. Not only did he come and to save you from your sin, and anything else on top of that that he has done for you is a blessing. All of the money, all of the power, all of the positions, all of the cars, all of it, all of the jewelry. It's all just blessing or, or offerings that people have brought. Whatever it may be, he has blessed you beyond your measure. But secondly, he did not leave you nor forsake you or leave you all alone down here to navigate the good and the bad of this life however you choose or however you feel. But he came to be with you. Let's pray.